Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a former teacher turned entrepreneur here to help you navigate the messiness of mom life and biz life. Each week, my guests and I will share our experiences, insights, and tips to help you move your business from survival mode to success mode. So grab your favorite drink and let's dive in because this girl means business. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 148 of the Girl Means Business podcast. I am slowly recovering on week, going on week two of post-COVID recovery, and while my voice is still not 100%, I am leaning into it Phoebe Buffet style. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go watch the episode of Friends where Phoebe gets a cold and discovers her sexy singing voice. It's fabulous. Um, So I don't know that this is so much my sexy podcast voice, but again, I'm just going going to roll with it. Okay, so this week's episode, we're talking about what you should do if you were to start over in your business. And this episode idea comes from a couple of things I've seen lately on social media. Two of my Instagram friends, um, colleagues, if you will, I've noticed have both sort of had to restart over or have chosen to restart their businesses on Instagram and on social media for a couple different reasons. One of them, her account was completely hacked and she's having to start her account over from scratch where she had tens of thousands of followers. She now has a couple hundred followers. And so watching her jump into this new account and navigate the idea of starting over her social media business or her business on social media. Now, granted, that's not where her entire business lives, but watching her start that side of it again really got me thinking. At the same time, another business friend of mine has completely pivoted her business and is sort of restarting a new business a spin-off, if you will, of her original business idea. And so she's starting everything from scratch. So she's completely starting with a new name, a new business account on social media, a new email marketing strategy, all the things. And so it got me really kind of thinking about if I had to start over, if I chose to start something completely new, which I, I really did when I started the Girl Means Business brand, pivoting from or branching off of my photography business, what would I want to start with? Like, what are the things that I would really want to focus in on so that I could make sure I started my business off on the right foot? Because building my photography business took years of learning and failing and succeeding and failing again and succeeding again. And so now that I have that knowledge, and now that I've done it a second time with the Girl Means Business brand and the things I've learned from that, what would I really put my time and attention into? Because if you are listening to this and you're getting ready to start a business or you're feeling like your business is kind of at a standstill and you need that kind of that focus and that path to follow, then these are the things that I would definitely and highly recommend. So we're going to go over five things today that I feel like are sort of the five foundational pieces for really getting your business off on a good start. So let's look at what those five things are. So we're going to go over five different things that I would do. However, these first two kind of go hand in hand. So I'm going to talk about them together. And the first one is I would figure out who my ideal client is. 
And the second one, number two, would be to really define my niche. Now, these are things you've heard me talk about on the podcast before. They have things I've talked about on social media. So let's kind of really look at why these are the first two things I would do in my business. I want to go back to the beginning of my photography business. When I first started my photography business, aside from having zero clue what I was doing in my business, I also had zero idea around who I was supposed to be working with or what I was supposed to be really putting out there as far as my messaging. And when you think about the photography world and probably just like any niche that you're in or any you know industry that you're in, it can feel like you are just one of thousands of people doing the same thing that you want to do. And so when I was building my photography business, it was a little frustrating. I was like, well, I'm a photographer. Um, I do it all. I mean, I photograph families, kids, bar bar mitzvahs, engagements. I agreed to a wedding when I probably shouldn't have. Um, You know, I photographed pets and birthday parties and all the things. And I was photographing anybody that would pay me money to take their pictures. And what I discovered was I got really burned out. I got really tired because I was getting clients that I wasn't happy with. I was getting clients that I was like, oh, this is just miserable. And then I remember this one lady reached out to me to do her family photos And she came back after her session. She's like, okay, I've got the space in my wall in the front entryway that I want to hang these pictures in. Will you come help me figure out what sizes to get, how, you know, which ones to put, how they should look. And I remember coming home from working with her and telling my husband, I was like, this is the type of person I want to work with. Like she is my ideal client. And I think I said she's my dream client, you know, but that's when the light bulb went off. That's when I was able to kind of connect the dots from what I'd been hearing all of these experts saying about know your ideal client. But once I finally kind of met my ideal client, I was able to go, oh, this is who I should be targeting. And so if I were to go back and start all over again, I would, the one of the first things I would do is really get sort of specific on who it is that I want to work with. When I started the Girl Means Business brand, I had this in mind. I knew that I didn't want to try to appeal to every single person building a business, that I wanted to specifically speak to women. And then even more specific than that, I wanted to speak to moms, mompreneurs who were trying to build a business while raising a family. I knew that that was someone that I could relate to, I could connect to, and that was the audience I wanted to build around my brand. And so I was able to go into this brand with a very clear vision of who it was I was talking to. So when I started recording these podcast episodes, when I started putting content out on social media and creating a website and building a brand, I was able to do that in a way that was speaking to that mompreneur. I wasn't trying to speak to you know, the corporate business owner, or I wasn't trying to speak to the 20 something influencer on Instagram. That wasn't who I was going to be telling stories for and considering guests on my podcast for and putting out content for. Because if I was trying to do all, all three of those, if I was trying to speak to the 20 something influencer, the mom building a business with kids at home and the, you know, 40 year old gentleman starting a corporate 
you know, entrepreneurial journey, that's three different messages. That's three different people with different fears, concerns, questions, um, struggles that I can't speak to all three and still feel like my messaging makes sense. It's not going to be clear. It's going to be jumbled. The same thing happened when I was growing my photography business. I realized that I was trying to appeal to the mom who wanted family photos and the bride who wanted her engagement session and wedding photos done. And those were two very different people. And so trying to speak to that to one massive group of people is really hard to do. It's also exhausting because when you're trying to create content for all these different types of people, it can feel overwhelming. And it's like, okay, well, I've got to put this out for this person and this out for this person. This has got to appeal to this other person. It's just too much. When you can narrow it down to just one type of person, one profile of a person or a group of people, it's so much easier to create content that is going to appeal to that specific group of people. And again, you're going to have people who will follow you and come along for the ride who don't necessarily fit exactly into that mold, but that still is the mold that you are speaking to on a regular basis. You know, I have people listening to this that are not moms. I have people that follow me on social media that are not moms, but they still are entrepreneurs. They're still women. They still connect to me in some way but I'm very specific in who my messaging is designed for. All right, and this leads us into number two. So the second thing I would do if starting my business over again is to get very clear on what it is that I offer. So what is my niche? What is my kind of zone of expertise? And I see this a lot on social media happening where someone comes in, they're like, okay, well, I am a virtual assistant. Okay, that's great. You're a virtual assistant, but what do you kind of specialize in? Is there something that you are especially good at? So maybe you are really great at helping someone set up a podcast or manage a podcast, or maybe you're really good at systems and you help your clients put in place different structures and systems that help their business run on on autopilot, or maybe you're really great at helping with product launches. So you can say you're a virtual assistant, But if you can get even more specific and say like um, a virtual assistant specializing in podcast management, then you're going to go, okay, well, if somebody is looking for somebody to help with podcast management, now you're the person that they're going to go to. Again, it goes back to the photography example. If you you just put out into the world that you're a photographer, then people are going to assume that you're able to do it all when really you may only really love doing one certain thing, or you may only be really good at one certain thing. In my opinion, it is better to be known as the expert in something as opposed to just kind of good at everything. Um, I know I've used this example before, and you've probably heard this before other places, but it's kind of like going to a doctor. Um, You know, my husband recently had some medical issues, and he was going to his primary care doctor, who's a family friend of ours, And the primary care doctor is great, but when he had specific issues relating to like his, his stomach pains and some dietary issues, he needed to go see a specialist where his primary care physician who kind of looks at the whole body and isn't necessarily a specialist in any one specific area, he couldn't help when it came to those specific issues and problems. The same goes for business. If someone is looking to hire a virtual assistant 
and they need specific help in one area or a handful of areas, they're going to be looking for someone who can help them really focus on those areas. So in my opinion, having a really clear niche, really explain to people, okay, this is what I do and this is how I do it. And if you tie that into what I said, number one, you're looking at, you want it to be very clear to people when they find you, whether it's on social media, through your website or wherever, you want them to know who do you help and how do you help them. So if I use my own brand as an example, the Girl Means Business brand, who do I help and how do I help them? I help mompreneurs building their business to learn and implement relationship marketing strategies, such as email marketing and social media. That's who I help and that's how I help them. Now, I know people aren't going to come to me for financial advice in their business. That's not what I do. People aren't going to come to me for Enneagram advice. That's not what I do. Now, could I? Maybe. But that's not what I do. That's not what I want to be known for. And that's not what my niche is. So this sounds like I'm on a big soapbox. I'm going to step off my soapbox now and we'll move into the last three things that I would do if I was starting over my business. But really quickly, just to kind of rephrase one and two is I would figure out my ideal client and then I would define my niche. So who do I serve and how do I serve them? That's the first two things I would do if I was starting my business over again. All right, number three is I would start building an email list. Again, I feel like a broken record. I say this all the time. I wish I had done this sooner in my business. Having an email list has been huge in helping me to build connections in my business. Now, a lot of people think, well, I don't really have anybody to put on my list. Or what if I only have 10 people on my list? We all start somewhere. You know, I started with one person on my email list and I had to grow it from there. So if I were to start my business over again, I would most definitely start collecting emails onto an email list. Even if I didn't email them more than like once a month or once every other month, having that email list as kind of a base, like a home base for people to kind of live on is so helpful because you've heard me say before with social media and you've seen examples of this, when you are building your business on social media, you're building it on borrowed platform. You're you're building it on borrowed ground. And so everything I do is kind of helping to direct people back to my email list because that is something where I have more control over how I connect with them. And even if I switch email platforms or my email platform is down for a while, I know my list is safe. I know I have that list of people to reach out to. And I know people think, well, email marketing is dead because social media is so big. Email marketing is dead. That's not really true. So on my personal email list, my open rate is about 30%, which is actually really good. Um, Average open rates are 20 to 25%. And the number of times that I send out an email and have somebody respond to my email is about 90% of the time. So I send out emails once a week, sometimes more, but typically at least once a week. And in those emails, I typically ask some kind of question, you know, hit reply and let me know what you thought of this or, you know, send a reply to this email and tell me something exciting that's happened to you this week. It depends on what the topic is that week. But almost every single time I send out an email, I get somebody responding to me and it's not the same person every time. And so I'm able to build connections with my audience, with those people on my email list, because I'm having conversations with them. I'm not talking at them. I'm talking with them. 
And so having that email list has been really valuable for my business, um, not only because it allows me to send out my weekly content, but it allows it to feel like a more personal relationship with your audience. You know, I always say social media can feel like you're walking into Times Square and just shouting at the crowd, like hoping someone stops and listens to you. That's to me what social media feels like. But email marketing feels like walking into Times Square and going up to one person and having a conversation, to another person having a conversation, to another person having a conversation. You're more likely to build stronger connections that way. It might be with fewer people. Because, you you know, if you're walking into Times Square, you can't talk to all 5,000 people there at one time. But it's way more impactful. It's way more personal than just going on social media and posting kind of this mass, you know, post. Even though people know that they may be getting a mass email, if you do it just right, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like it was sent directly to them. And I know like um, Amy Porterfield does a good job of this. I am on a couple other uh, email lists where when they send me emails, I kind of do a double take because I'm like, wait, is that is that for me? Like, are they singling me out or is that like a mass email and it just sounds personal? And when I come across one of those emails, I save it because I really want to use that as an example of like, wow, that one really stopped me in my tracks. I really kind of questioned if that person had reached out to me directly or not. And so that's the power of email marketing is it can have that effect. And guys, people still check their email. I want you to think about how many times in a day do you check your email ad or you check your email on your phone or computer. It's one of the first things I do every morning is I check my email and then I do it periodically throughout the day. So when someone says email marketing is dead, it's not. Trust me, 100% it is alive and well and it is definitely something I would suggest adding into your um, your marketing plan if you are starting or growing a business. Now, really quick, I'm going to say here, if you are wanting to start an email list and you're like, I don't even know where to begin, I want you to go to the show notes, go to girlmeansbusiness.com slash email kit and download my free email marketing starter kit. It is a five-step plan to help you get your email list up and running. It goes through everything from you know, what platform do you, I use, how to choose the right one, how to set it up, how to create a lead magnet. It gives you a free lead magnet template that you can use. And then what do you say once you start getting people on your email list? What should you be putting in your emails? Um, it even gives you an example of a welcome series you can use to start off with your email marketing. So again, head to girlmeansbusiness.com slash email kit. It'll be down in the show notes um, and grab that free guide so you can get started using your email list. All right, number four. So we've figured out our ideal client. We've defined our niche. We're starting an email list. Number four would be social media. However, not just social media in general. I would advise you, and what I would do myself if I were starting over again, is I would use social media in a very specific, strategic way. I would use it to build connections. I'm not using it to grow this huge following. I'm not using it as a way to just kind of show off online or do trending dances. I want to be very strategic with it. So if I were starting over with social media, the first thing I would do is make sure that everything in my profile was very clear on who I serve and how I serve them. 
I would make sure that I have a link that leads them to join my email list by offering a free lead magnet, um, a challenge of some kind, a quiz, whatever it is you want to do, but get them on from off social media onto your email list. And then I would create value-driven content. I would not worry about how can I reach the most amount of people with my content. I would worry about how can I create content that is going to help my ideal client. You know, a perfect example of this right now is Instagram Reels well, and TikTok too. You go on these, these video you know, apps like TikTok and you look at Reels and you see these trends, you know, people doing dances. Um, you know, I know this one's kind of outdated a little bit now, but the fancy like dance. My daughter loves this. She does it all the time. That is something that a ton of people on social media were doing and they were getting lots of views for doing it. I could have gone on there and done a fancy light dance, but it wasn't providing value to my audience. Nothing about me doing a dance to the fancy light song was going to bring in people who were there for the right reasons. But if I go in and I create a reel that helps you feel connected to me because I'm a mom or helps give you valuable tips on you know, how to find the best hashtags for your content. Those are things that are going to provide value. Are they going to get millions of likes? Probably not, but that's okay. I don't need a million views. I need a hundred views of the right people seeing my content. So if I were starting over again on social media, I would focus less on how can I build this huge following and more on how can I create content that is going to provide value to the right people. One of the easiest ways to figure out how to provide this, how to create this content or what type of content to put out is to think about, again, going back to who is your ideal client and what are their pain points? So an example is with moms in business. One of the biggest pain points is how do you find time to build a business while still raising a family? How do you struggle or handle mom guilt? How do you get it all done in a day? What systems or programs can you use to help make it easier and automate things in your business so you can spend more time with your family? These are all things that I know that as a mom running a business, I would struggle with or have struggled with. So I can turn that into content. So this is, again, it all goes back to number one, who are you trying to help? And once you know and you're very clear on that, you can really get clear on what are the pain points they have And how can I help them to solve those or feel better about those? And so you create your content around that. And that content can be posts, reels, lives, stories, um, groups on Facebook, whatever it might be. The content, you know, medium doesn't necessarily matter as long as you're providing value-driven content and building those connections. So engaging with your audience, sending messages, Um, replying to comments, going in and engaging with their content. It's all about building connections. Social media is not a one-sided platform. It's not, okay, I'm going to go post this post and then I'm done. I've done my, I've checked my box for the day. That does, that's not how you grow a following on social media anymore. The best way to grow your business on social media right now is to spend time creating connections. And I know that can feel a little overwhelming because you're like, I don't have time. Time is one of the things I don't have right now. And I get that. But if you think about the time it took you to create that post and post it, you could do that and then spend five or 10 minutes. I'm not asking for hours. 
five or 10 minutes and just go and engage with people on your post or go and engage with people on other people's content or go into your messages and reply to a message or send a message to somebody. It's all about connections. Social media is all about being social right now. Again, it's not post and ghost. It's create value-driven content and have conversations with people. That is what's going to help you build loyal clients and followers who want to be involved with what you're doing. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. All right, so we're down to our last one. So first one was find your ideal client. Define your niche was number two. Three was build an email list. Four is to start building connections on social media. And number five, the one of the things I wish I had done sooner in my business was find a coach or mentor. Guys, this is building a business is hard. It is not easy and you there's no possible way for you to have all the answers you need specific to your business by following a few people on Instagram who post really great content. They're just going to give you the very tip of the iceberg. If you truly want to grow your business and you truly want to make this something successful, I highly recommend that you find someone to work with who is further down the path than you are. Someone that you can learn from, someone that can look at your business from a bird's eye view and not a personal, you know, in it view that you have right now. And I will say that there are people who create really great courses and programs that you can do at your own pace. And those are fabulous. But there's nothing that replaces or compares to having the personalized attention you get from working one-on-one or in a small group with a coach. The ability to ask questions and get feedback specific to your business is so unparalleled and has been one of the biggest game changers in my business. And it is scary because if you look at the first four things that I mentioned on this list, you know, finding your ideal client, defining your niche, niche, building an email list and social media. Those are all things you can do for free for the most part. They don't require an investment other than time and energy in your business. 
But number five, when you're talking about hiring a coach to work with, that takes an investment, a monetary investment that can be really intimidating and scary. But I can tell you right now, if you find the right coach, if you find the right person that has been in your shoes and that can guide you down the path, it is worth tenfold in your business. Now, since starting my photography business, I've had a handful of coaches that I've worked with, either one-on-one or in small group. And one of the things that I've learned, having had only one bad experience out of all of them, and even in that bad experience, I learned a lot. My advice when it comes to choosing a coach to work with is one, think about what it is that you really want to get from your coaching experience. You know, if you go into your coaching experience just saying, well, I want to grow my business. I, you need to be more specific than that. You need to say, like, I really want to understand how to use social media to gain clients. Or I really need help with figuring out, you know, my ideal client and how to message, you know, how to do messaging in my business. Or maybe even saying, like, I don't really know what I need yet. But if you are able to go into your search with a very clear vision of, like, this is kind of what I want to accomplish you're going to get a better end result because you're going to be able to find a coach that will help you with that specific piece of your business. You know, again, like if someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to hire you as my coach. Can you help me get my finances in order? I'm not a good fit for them. But if they come to me and they say, hey, I want to hire you as my coach because I really need to get my messaging and my social media presence kind of really narrowed down and figured out, then yes, I'm, I'm your girl. I can help you do that. You need to find that specialist who is going to help you do what it is that you want to accomplish. But you have to know what that is first. Secondly, I would say make sure that you do your homework, that you really know who this person is, that you are aware of kind of what their business is. You know, have they had success in the past? Have they had other businesses? Um, You know, kind of what are their credentials in a way? Um, have they, are they showing up, you know, do, do they show themselves in a way on social media or online that lets you get to know who they are and feel like a, feel a connection to them? Do they have a similar business style to you? You know, I'm not going to go in and hire a coach who is super analytical and who is very like in a box. I need somebody who is willing to kind of go with the flow and, who kind of gets sort of the chaos that's in my head a lot of the times. So finding a coach that you can relate to on a personal level, because you're going to be working very closely with them. And then the last thing I would say when it comes to hiring a coach or finding someone to mentor you is I want you to really think about and make sure that you are willing to give the time, energy, and money that it requires. Because hiring a coach is not cheap. Um, You are going to have to invest money into hiring somebody to help you, but you're also going to have to invest time because if you're paying somebody to give you part of their time, then you have to be willing to listen to what they have to say, implement the things that they ask you to do, be open to their advice, their feedback, their thoughts. If you're not in a place where you're ready to be open to that and to kind of hear what a coach has to say, then it may not be the right time for you to invest in that. That's a hard lesson I learned early on when I hired a coach and I realized really quickly in that I was not prepared 
to receive the feedback they were giving me. I was still too kind of set in my own ways and too stubborn to really kind of understand the information and the value they were giving me. So I, before you go and invest money in working with somebody, I want you to make sure that you are in the right space in your mindset, in your business, where you have time to invest in spending time with that coach and invest in doing the work, um, putting in time to see the results they're trying to help you see. I cannot tell you guys how frustrating it is on the coach's end when we ha- are giving you so much of our time and energy and resources and value and nothing gets done with it. And then it makes us look bad. <laughs> but if you are coming into this and working with somebody, it needs to be a mutually agreed upon plan that you're both going to come into this open to giving as much as you possibly can and receiving as much as you possibly can. Because it is not only a monetary investment, but it is an investment of time and energy into your business. All right, guys, so those are the five things I would do if starting my business over again. I would figure out my ideal client. I would define my niche. So who do I help? How do I help them? I would start that email list. Don't forget to go down to the show notes and grab that free email starter kit so you can get started building your email list as well. I would start building connections on social media. And then I would look into hiring a coach to help me sort of what I call collapse time. So the benefit of having a coach is not only the value, but you are able to kind of skip ahead and jump over all of these missteps that your coach may have already done that they can steer you clear of. Um, And so that's one of the values of hiring a coach. If you are considering working with a business coach and you feel like maybe you and I would be a good fit, please feel free to send me a message. You can email me at Kendra at girlmeansbusiness.com or reach out to me over on Instagram and send me a DM. And I would love to set up a call with you and see if this is something we can work together on. So that does it, guys, for this week's episode, the five things I would do starting over in my business. Hopefully next week my voice will continue to get better and I won't sound like I've got this gravelly frog in my throat all the time. But um, I hope you all are staying healthy and having a fabulous week. And I will see you again back here next week. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And as always, you can find any links or resources mentioned in today's show down in the show notes. And if we're not friends outside of the podcast yet, then what are you waiting for? Come find me on Instagram at Girl Means Business and send me a DM letting me know what you thought of today's episode or any of the past episodes you've listened to. You can also take a screenshot of today's episode and post it to your stories tagging at Girl Means Business and I'll give you a shout out on my page. I love connecting with you and hearing all about your business and can't wait to get to know you more. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here next week, same time, same place.